Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, Book 3, Chapter 2. Truth speaks within us without the outward sound of words. The learner. Speak on, Lord, your servant is listening. Perfect in your own servant's heart the knowledge of your will. Incline my heart to the words of your mouth. Here are warnings that must soak in like the dew. Here are warnings that must soak in like the dew. In the days of old, the people of Israel said to Moses, Do you tell us the message? We are ready to obey you. Do not let us hear the Lord speaking. It will cost us our lives. No, Lord, that is not the way I pray. Instead, I join with the prophet Samuel in beseeching you thus. Speak on, Lord. Your servant is listening. It is not Moses or any of the prophets that I want to speak to me. It is you, Lord, whose voice I want to hear. You from whom the prophets draw their inspiration and enlightenment. No need to use them. You by yourself can fully instruct me, whereas they without you would be quite unavailing. The words of the prophets may ring out, but they cannot bring me your spirit. They speak in beautiful language, but should you keep silence? They fail to set the heart afire. They express but the letter of your message. It is for you to lay bare the meaning within. They bring mysteries to our notice. You unfold the meaning of what they speak, but in signs. They tell us what your commandments are. You help us to keep them. They point out the way. You give the strength to walk upon it. They affect us only from outside. You teach and enlighten the very heart. They water from without the seed of your word. It is you who make it bear fruit. They cry aloud in words. It is you that make us understand what we hear. Then let not Moses speak to me, but you, my Lord and my God, you the eternal truth. Otherwise I may die and bear no fruit. If I have been warmed only from outside and not been kindled to flame within. When the judgment comes, do not let me be ranked with those who heard the word and failed to obey it, knew it and did not love it, believed it and failed to keep it. Speak on then, Lord, your servant is listening. Your words are the words of eternal life. Speak to me. Let your words comfort me in whatever way you will and help me to amend my whole life. And may they bring you praise and glory and honor without end. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, never this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. St. Philip Neri, gentle God of youth, patron of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost, 
pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The very end of this chapter, Thomas Kempis uses three words, praise and glory and honor. What is praise? What is honor? What is glory? Well, honor is some kind of external testimony to a person's excellence. And in this case, an external testimony, a witness to God's greatness. And God is worthy of all honor. He's worthy of every kind of sign that we can give to his greatness and his perfection and his love, his wisdom. And when we show honor with words, we call that praise. Praise is to honor God, to give testimony to his greatness, to his love, to his mercy by our words. Now, glory is when God's greatness, his excellence, his perfection is recognized by human beings. When his greatness shines forth, when it's acknowledged by others, this is glory. This is to give God glory, to bring his recognition, his greatness to the notice of others. And so what is it that we want to do? We want our whole lives to be a witness to God. We want to give him honor in that way. We want our words to praise him. We want to use the gift of speech, the gift of writing that we have, the gift of singing for his praise, to testify to his greatness, to recognize him as worthy of all of our love. And finally, we want him to be glorified. We want other people to recognize him, to acknowledge him. We want his greatness to shine forth. To you, Lord, be the honor. To you, be the glory. Now, how is it that we are going to become the kind of people whose greatest desire is that his name be made holy? Hallowed be thy name. That's the first petition of the Our Father. That is the first and greatest thing we could want, for God's name to be made holy, to be recognized as holy, for his name to be praised and honored and glorified. How do we become that kind of person? We have to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to allow his heart, his will to become ours. It's not enough for God just to dwell in us by his omnipresence, the kind of way God dwells everywhere. No, God has to dwell in us by our will. He has to dwell in us by our being like Jesus Christ. God has to dwell in us by our will being united to his will, our wanting what he wants, our loving him consciously. And when we enter into this relationship with Christ, we speak of prayer as that vital and living relationship, the ongoing relationship with him, the ongoing communication with Christ is prayer. And we're going to notice over and over again in this book three, Each chapter is an example of that kind of dialogue with the Lord, that conversation with the Lord. This chapter itself is a conversation with him in which we're speaking to him. We're talking directly to Christ. And Thomas Akempis is showing us by his own example what we have to ask him for. And it's not enough to speak to Christ. We also have to hear him speak within us. 
not by some kind of audible words, not by any recognizable words, but in a way that, that goes beyond the way we normally hear and speak to people, in which God directly moves our hearts, in which God gives us a strength we didn't have before. And we know he's there speaking to us because of the effects in our hearts, by the new movements in our minds, by the new desires that we have, by the peace that he has suddenly put in us. But to hear him speak, we have to be silent. And we have to ask him to speak. In the words of Samuel, speak, O Lord, your servant is listening. Samuel didn't recognize the Lord as he began to speak to him. Only gradually with the help of Eli, the prophet, did he learn to be still and to hear God speak to him. But he heard him because he was spending time before the Ark of the Covenant. And if we want to learn how to hear the Lord speak to us, then we have to make time for him. Above all, by sitting before him in the Holy Eucharist, in the tabernacle, in the monstrance, or at least before some kind of image of Christ in our own rooms. We have to spend time with him. We have to make time for him. We have to allow our hearts the space to hear him speak to us, to accustom ourselves to his voice. And then we have to amend our lives. It's no good just wanting to be in a conversation with Christ. He speaks to us, and the fruit of that conversation is the change of our life. We live as we pray, and we pray as we live. And the test of authentic prayer is whether we are becoming more humble and more obedient, more patient, and more loving. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.